Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. You know, last week we talked about, or I shared with you kind of the competitive mindset that I have, the world that I grew up living in, and... um, And I would like to say that changes often, but it doesn't. I still don't like to lose at anything. Um, But when I think about competition, I always have to go back to to high school when we played sports, when we were very involved. And and I remember specifically uh, high school football. When I was a freshman, I got the news that I was going to be the starting free safety this upcoming Friday night. I was so excited, had all these expectations of how North Hall was going to win the state championship, my freshman year, everything. However, let's fast forward to the following year, and I began to realize something that took place. Um, My sophomore year, same thing. Now I'm going to get to play the running back and free safety. And so what I learned very early on in that football season is that every away game that we went to, the stadium was packed. Every away game. I'm talking like three games into the beginning of the season. There would be a line of folks there to to come to this football game. So in my mind, you know, I'm like, they're coming to see this five foot six sophomore phenom. I mean, that's really why they're here. That is why people are coming from everywhere. However, that was not the case. The reason that every stadium was packed my sophomore year, every away stadium, is because my freshman year, we ended the season three and seven. And so what we found out very quickly, and again, I'd only played football for two years. I'd started eighth grade, ninth grade, and so I didn't know a lot about the football world. But what I realized is that very early in my sophomore year, we were declared everybody's homecoming game. (laughs) See, y'all are laughing. I didn't really know what that meant at the time. It's not an honor to be somebody's homecoming game. Like, that's not good. They want to win. And the reason that it's packed is because every grandmother, every aunt, uncle came to see their kids walk on the homecoming court. And, And so in my mind... You know, going into my sophomore year, I really thought we were good because everybody was coming to see us, but in reality, the only reason they were there is because we were expected to be that bad. But I remember going into those games, hey, as a coach, though, you love that atmosphere. That's the easiest pep talk in the world, right? Hey, there's a packed stadium out there, and every one of them hate you. Every one of them can't stand you. They're all here because they think they're going to win tonight. And so as a, as a sophomore in high school, you know, the testosterone boiling, I'm a competitive guy, and I'm like, yes, they hate us. And so what's going to motivate us tonight is we're just going to simply hate them more than they hate us, right? That's what it means. That's what it looks like. But being an opposing opponent, going into a, somebody else's home stadium was difficult. It was hard. 
Because you walk into that environment and, and everybody there dislikes you. You walk into that environment and you are the minority. You walk into that environment and nobody wants to see you turn out and be on top. Everybody's against you. But in my mind, I thought, you know what? That's the most motivating factor for an athlete to compete. You know what? They hate me, so I'm gonna hate them more. And praise God, we spoiled five homecomings that year. So that's just a side note, right? So praise God. AJ, I'm thinking about like, this is like the Chester T. North Hall rivalry, right? Like it's just, look, AJ, he's sitting back now. <laughs> you just hate, it's good old, what's the football game, Georgia, Georgia Tech? Good old fashioned Okay, nobody watches the Georgia Georgia Tech football game. Good old-fashioned hate. But in light of what we talked about last week, in light of what we talked about being a follower of Christ and how we as Christians, as Christ followers, we talked about what Jesus is warning the disciples of. Hey, look, guys, you're hated. You're hated. It's you against the world. And when we come out of a message like we did last week, it's very easy in our flesh as human beings to think, you know what, if I'm gonna live in a hated world, I'm just gonna hate them more. And if we're not careful, that's how we respond to people hating us. As we think in our mind that I'll just get back with them. I'll, just, I'll hate them more because they hate me. And I know some of you were going, oh man, I left here last week like feeling fired up. Like, you know, it's me against the world, right? And so now this guy today, he's just gonna guilt us in for the way we felt last week. No, no, no. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to discourage you today. I'm not gonna try to guilt you into the way that maybe you feel in your flesh. You know why I'm not gonna guilt you into it? Because oftentimes I feel the same way you do. When it's us against the world, it's very easy to get caught up in our flesh that if we're hated, then how we're gonna respond, we're just gonna hate them more. And what I was encouraged by this week, I, I stumbled across a passage of scripture that I honestly laughed at because I'm like, yes, these guys get it. They relate with me. Luke chapter nine, and these guys are a whole lot more spiritual than you and I, I can guarantee you. And you're gonna hear their names in just a minute. But in Luke chapter nine, verse 54, what's that? You don't have to turn there, that's not where we're gonna be. But what's happening is these men are going out in front of Jesus. They're going into villages before Jesus arrives and they're, they're trying to get his accommodations lined up. They're trying to get places for him to stay. They're trying to make sure that all his supplies are gonna be met, that everything's gonna be taken care of. And so now these two gentlemen go into a city and basically they're trying to find the accommodations for Jesus and what they continue to face is the rejection. People are saying, no, we, we, we're not gonna help. We're not on board. We, there's nothing here. And listen to how they respond in Luke chapter nine, verse 54. And I hope I can see it. When his disciples, James and John, okay, y'all see now, they're a lot more spiritual than you and I, saw this, listen to what they said. Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Yes. When I read that, I was like, these super spiritual men feel the very same way I do. 
Because how many times when we look at this world, when we look at those who hate us, that's how we want to respond. God, just send down fire and take them all out. How many of you watch the news and that's your thoughts, that's your feelings, that's your mind? Just burn the place down. Am I the only one that feels that way? (laughs) However, however, let's take a full time out and let's keep reading. Look at what Jesus says next. But he turned to them and he rebuked them. And he said, you do not know what kind of spirit you are of. For the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. What you continue to find out in the reading is, is I love when Jesus doesn't just talk about stuff, he does it. What you find in Acts chapter eight, in this very village that these men were ready to call down fire and destroy them all, In Acts chapter eight, the Holy Spirit of God fell in the same village and saved them all. That's what the grace of God does. That's what salvation's about. And so when we read that, we we see that, that Jesus saved the very people that we identified last week as called the world. Remember, the world is those who are controlled by evil, those who are controlled by Satan and oppose God. And if you remember, when we looked at the conversation between the disciples and Jesus, he reminds them, hey guys, I chose you out of this world. That used to be you. You used to oppose me. You used to be controlled by the enemy. You used to be controlled by evil, but because of my salvation, because of the grace that I've extended you, I have chosen you out. I have chosen you out to be light in the darkness. And because I've set you apart, you don't love the things the world loves anymore. You don't participate in the things the world participates anymore. And you surely don't celebrate the sin of this world. But I'm the one that chose you out. I'm the one that rescued you from that. And so as this conversation's taking place in the disciples, we would be led to believe that they were overwhelmed with thankfulness because Jesus is reminding them of their salvation, that he chose them out, that he rescued them. But if you remember this conversation between Jesus and the disciples in 13, 14, and 15 of the Gospel of John, it's the conversation hinges all around that the disciples are concerned that Jesus is leaving. The disciples are concerned that Jesus is leaving. And so this salvation that they have experienced, what we're gonna find today is that they are concerned Because how in the world is this salvation story, this redemption story going to continue, Jesus, if you're not here? How is this rescue mission going to continue? How are you going to continue to save people, Jesus, if you aren't here? And so this brings us up to the pace of the conversation that we've we've been looking at for for the last several weeks. 
Because in their mind, they're concerned as to how. How is this good news of the gospel going to keep moving forward? Jesus, if you're not here. And we find the answer in this text that we're gonna look at today. And so if you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to the Gospel of John, where we've been for the last couple of months. And it's neat where the answer to that concern is placed in this text that we're gonna look at today. It's almost as if you see all the concern, you see what Jesus is talking about, and then it's sort of like he tucks the answer in, and then he just keeps going about what he was talking about. And what I mean by that is in John chapter 15, verses 18 through 25, which is what we've looked at over the last couple of weeks, remember, he's just simply making the disciples aware, hey, you're gonna be hated. It's you against the world. It's you against the world. And that takes us down to verse 25. And then remember, they're concerned. How is this good news gonna keep going? How is it gonna keep happening? How is salvation gonna continue to be the story, Jesus, if you're not there? And what we're gonna see is in 15 or verses 26 and 27, he gives the answer. And we're gonna read that in just a minute. But then he quickly goes back to, in chapter 16, verses one through four, reminding them that it's them against the world. And so we see that on both the bookends of this, hey, it's you against the world. Hey, it's you against the world. But here is how the ministry of my word, how salvation is going to continue. It's tucked right in the middle of Jesus making them aware of the fact that it's them against the world. And so I want you to read with me in verses 26 and 27 of John chapter 15. Jesus tells them in light of their concern, When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, and he will testify about me, and you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. I'm hoping that word helper jumped off to the page to you because Several weeks ago, that's the very word that we focused on. When Jesus told the disciples, remember, they were concerned. They were worried how they were going to keep the commandments of Christ without him there to correct them. Y'all remember that? And Jesus says, don't worry about that because I'm going to send another helper. Speaking of the Holy Spirit living in them, the Holy Spirit is now the one that will guide you, that will lead you, that will convict you. And so Jesus answered their concern, answered their worry of how they're gonna keep the commandments, but don't worry, I'm gonna send the helper. And so here we are again in the same scenario. They're concerned, they're worried. And Jesus says, don't worry again, I'm gonna send the helper. I'm gonna send the helper. So we have to ask the question, well, what is it now that they need help? They needed help with keeping the commandments is what we read about in John chapter 14. But where we're reading today is what do they need help with? What what are they gonna need the assistance of the Holy Spirit for now? Jesus tells them the answer there in verses 26 and 27. He says that he, speaking of the Holy Spirit, will testify about me and you, my disciples, the ones who follow me, the ones who trust me, 
you're gonna testify about me too. You're gonna testify about me too. Now that word testify or maybe the phrase that we use in church is to share your testimony. I know that intimidates you. I wanna read the definition of what it means to testify. It means to affirm that one has seen, to affirm that one has heard, or to affirm an experience that we've had with something or someone. That's what testify means. Now, so he's telling them here, he says, hey, don't worry how this message is going to continue. Don't worry about how this salvation story is gonna keep moving forward because now by the help of the Holy Spirit living in you, you're gonna simply tell them about me. You're gonna testify about me and that's how the salvation story is going to continue. That's how the work of the ministry will keep moving forward. Now, I find it interesting that that's very similar language that Jesus uses before he ascends back to heaven to be with the Father. If you read in Acts chapter one, that portion of scripture takes place after the death, after the burial, and after the resurrection, and after he's done ministry back on earth as the resurrected king, and he's getting ready to return back to the Father in heaven, and if you remember in Acts chapter one, verse eight, he tells the people who were there, the disciples, he says, you will be my what? My witnesses. You're gonna be my witnesses. But he tells them you're gonna be my witnesses when what? The Holy Spirit. He says, wait, wait for the Holy Spirit. And so we see that here that he's telling the disciples before he's crucified on the cross. They're concerned about how the ministry will keep moving forward. He says, hey, don't worry. The helper's coming. The helper, the Holy Spirit of God will be dwelling in you. That's how you'll testify about me. And then when I go back to be with the Father, you're going to be my messenger again by the way of the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. So that word messenger and that word testify are, are two words that are used within the legal system that were used to, in the mindset of presenting evidence to prove that something was true. And so I love what Jesus says here in both of those texts. He says in John chapter 15, he basically tells them, you're gonna testify about me. And then he tells them in Acts chapter one, you will be my witnesses. So he says, you're gonna tell them about me because you're mine. Now keep in mind that Jesus has pulled them out. Jesus has saved them. Jesus has given them resurrection life because of their faith in who he is and what he's done. And he's telling them, hey, because of my shed blood, because of the blood that I'm going to shed for you, I'm gonna purchase you with a price. And when I purchase you, you are now mine and that's the salvation story. And if you've experienced the fact that you're mine through salvation, then it's now your responsibility to tell them about me and what I've done for you. So to simplify, testify. To simplify this word, sharing your testimony. Are you ready for this? Because I know it scares a lot of you to death. To share your testimony with someone, to testify to someone is simply this. Tell them what Jesus has done for you. That's it. 
Because if you're in this room this morning and you've been saved by the grace of God, the outline of our testimony is all the same. It's just like that of Paul's. We had a life before Christ, we had an encounter with Christ, and now we have a life with Christ. If you've been saved by the grace of God, every one of our stories line up that way. There was life before, there was the encounter with the Spirit of God, and then now there's life with him. And so you say, well, Brian, I, I just don't have all these verses memorized. I, I don't know a whole lot about the Bible. Remember what testify means. Testify is to, to make the argument that you've experienced something. Can I tell you, nobody can take away your experience that you've had with the Holy Spirit of God. Nobody. Nobody. So to share your testimony, to testify it's simply that. Tell somebody else what Jesus has done for you. You know, I wonder, do we go looking for opportunities to do that? Do we go to work tomorrow? Do we go to school tomorrow saying, God, if you'll just give me a chance today, I'll testify about you. What would it look like if today on May 7th, what if every single follower of Christ in this room, what if we deployed you out today with one challenge? To share your story with one person this week. Just one. Is it that coworker that works in the cubicle beside you? Is it that individual that you run into in the convenience store? But how much different would things look if we as the church testified on behalf of what Christ has done for us? I think things would look a lot different next week. I think things would look a lot different around here next week if we walked in that obedience. But what we have to pay attention to with what Jesus says in scripture, in verse 26, he's talking about, he says, the father's gonna testify about me. And in turn, he says, and you will too. And so when we tell our story, when we testify, when we share what Jesus has done for us, we have to make sure that the only story we're telling is the story of Christ and what he has done and who he is. Because that's the very mindset that, that, that Paul had. He said, I've decided to preach Christ and him crucified. That's it. That's what I'm gonna preach. I'm gonna testify that Christ is Christ and Christ was crucified for me. That's the only gospel message we have. That's the only message that we have to tell. So as a follower of Christ, we only testify about Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us. We've gotta make sure that that's where our focus is, that, that we've got the mindset of Paul. Paul. 
But we also have to understand the mindset of Paul was when he also said, I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And so when the Spirit of God rescued us, when he, when he set us apart, when he chose us out, Paul is saying here, here's what we're testifying about. We're testifying about the change that Jesus Christ has made in our lives, how he has transformed us. We were once dead, but now we were alive. We were once in darkness, but now we are in the light. And it's only because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And in that, we will look different from those around us. We will look different from the very people who hate us because we are light. We live in a world of darkness. And so if we are light and we're saying that we've trusted in the crucifixion of Christ for the redemption of my sins, can we boldly say the very same thing that I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And when we declare that, that means that we're gonna wake up every single day dying to our flesh, nailing our flesh to the cross and saying, God, today alone, I am yours. And that, listen to me, this is the hard part. That means that we die to every area of flesh in our life. Every area. To be a genuine follower of Christ, it doesn't say that I have been crucified with Christ, so I'm gonna crucify just some parts of my life. I'm gonna nail just a few areas of my life to the cross. So I'm gonna nail these to the cross, but you know what? These over here, they're a lot of fun. And so Jesus, I'm just gonna sort of hang on to these, but I'll, I'm willing to give these couple up. A genuine follower of Christ wrestles every day of their life to nail it all to the cross. And so for a world to say, hey, you know what? I'm a follower of Christ, but you know what? I've nailed some certain things to my life, but I know that I'm, I'm, that I'm just gonna hang on to this one. Do you truly love Jesus if you're not willing to lay it all on the cross, to nail it all to the cross, to say I have been crucified with Christ? It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Because here's the reality. Even this morning, standing before you, can I tell you that I wake up every single day with fleshly desires? I wake up every day in this battle. But I know as a follower of Christ, it is my responsibility to say today, Lord, I lay my life at your feet. God, I know I'm gonna wrestle. I know I'm gonna have temptations. I know I'm gonna have battles. But you see, remember the power of the Holy Spirit now lives in me. It doesn't mean the fleshly desires are gonna go away, but it now means that I have the power living in me that will help me overcome all of the temptations of this world. And I can stand on the promise of that because the Holy Spirit, remember, is now my helper. So I don't celebrate the flesh that I live in, but I battle against it by way of Christ living in me. 
And that's what it means. That's this gospel message that we have to keep preaching, that Jesus is the only way. But just like Jesus talked last week, remember, that's the reason they're gonna hate you. They're gonna hate you because they hate me. But the reason they hate me is because I'm preaching and teaching that I'm the only way. And a world doesn't like to hear that. A world doesn't like to hear that Jesus is the only, the only way. And as we preach this message, as we stand on the truth of God's word, as we stand on the convictions of the Holy Spirit living in us, we are going to be despised. We're gonna be despised by the world who's living in darkness. You know, every one of us are gonna wrestle with our flesh every day of the desires that we have that we wanna walk in. But what we've gotta get back to is the reality of what the word of God says and that the scripture identifies it as sin. Guess what? It's sin. It is unrighteousness in the sight of God. Yes, it may feel good. Yes, it may look good. Yes, it may sound good. But if the scripture declares it to be sin, this is where a child of God must turn to the Holy Spirit for the strength to overcome it. This is what it means to be crucified with Christ. And so here's what I want you to know this morning is that if the scripture declares it to be sin, we can't compromise. We can't compromise. We've got to nail it all to the cross. If the scripture calls it to be sin, we've got to call it what it is. And this isn't Brian's opinion. This is the truth of what the word of God says. And this is what we are founded on. This is what we stand on, is the truth of God's word. So our responsibility, as Jesus is telling the disciples, you're gonna testify about me. You're gonna be my witness. We've gotta stand firm. We've gotta stand firm to be the witness and the testimony that Christ has called us to. We can't, I repeat, we cannot compromise because a spiritually blinded world pressures us to. We can't compromise because a spiritually blinded world tells us to. And I know that we can all rally around and you can say, yeah, I know. I'm not gonna compromise. And we, that's easy to applaud. That's easy to say, yeah, we're gonna stand on the truth of God's word. And maybe we go back to like James and John and send fire down on the rest of them. But I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna stand on what I know your word says, God. And it's easy to rally behind that mindset because our flesh, remember, just like at North Hall High School on these away trips, if they hate me, I'm just gonna hate them more. 
That's easier. That's easier to walk in that mindset. But what's absolutely wrecked my heart this week is don't forget the very people that hate you. You used to be one of them. We used to be spiritually blinded. Our hearts were hard. And so when we read past, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter nine, we can read here that, that Paul is talking about, hey, there's areas, there's things that we as followers of Christ can't compromise. Remember, if the word of God says it's sin, it's sin. But listen to what he says in first Corinthians chapter six, verse nine. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And when we read that, we can have that mindset. Yeah, those aren't going to heaven. But listen to what he quickly says. Verse 11. Such were some of you. Such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. And you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. And so while it's so easy for the born-again believer to point fingers, it's so easy for us to condemn. What Paul wants the church at Corinth to understand is, hey, don't you ever forget that used to be you. Don't you ever forget that that's what the shed blood of Jesus Christ came to do for you. He came to redeem you. He came to restore you. And he came to save you, to rescue you, to choose you and pull you out of this dark world. And so while it's so easy in our flesh to get angry with the world, to judge the world, to condemn the world, we can't forget that we used to be the world. What would it look like if the church was reminded? I used to be the world, but only by the grace of God were my blinded eyes able to see, were my ears able to hear only by the Spirit of God. Because you understand this morning, listen, this is the mind-blowing part, that if you've been saved by the grace of God this morning, that that is the direct result of number one, the Holy Spirit drawing you to himself. 
but it's the direct result of men and women who have walked in obedience to testify about him and to be the witnesses here on this earth. You understand that, right? That that it is only number one by the grace of God and the drawing power of the Holy Spirit, but it's also those people that God placed around you in your life that have testified about him to you and that have lived out the witness about him in front of you. And so Jesus is telling the disciples, hey guys, don't forget what's been done for you. And all I'm encouraging you to do now is you do for them what they've done for you. You can all go back in your mind right now of of those men and women in your life who testified before you, who were messengers in front of you. I can still remember as a little, probably six or seven year old boy, my Sunday school teacher, Miss Merritt, and the velvet boards. Y'all remember that? The little stick on people? That's how she taught me scripture. But you see, she was walking in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, testifying about him to me. And I've said this before, I can remember a David Ellis who was my RA director and how he constantly taught me the things of God. I can remember my pastor, Joe Bagwell, who's now a member here. I remember him praying with me as I repented and I believed in Jesus Christ. But I'm thankful for those messengers of the word of God who lived it out in front of me. And maybe this morning, that's your response. Maybe it's texting somebody. Thank you for living it out. Thank you for sharing the gospel with me. Because at the end of the day, that's all Jesus is telling the disciples to do. Hey, don't worry about me leaving. You're now empowered by the Holy Spirit to testify about me and to be my messengers. And so if you've been saved by the grace of God, we're all so, so thankful for what Romans chapter 10 says. And we can all probably quote this verse that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We love that because if you've been saved by the grace of God, you were a whoever. That was you. You were living in sin. You were living in darkness. You were living in the world. But because of the Holy Spirit inviting you, drawing you, someone sharing with you, you called out to the name of the Lord and you saw it lived out that I was a whoever. And I'm thankful that I called upon the name of the Lord and he saved me. If you truly believe that this morning, If you're here today and you are a whoever that has been saved, you should be willing to do whatever so other whoever's will know. 
I know that's a lot of who's and what, so I'm going to say it one more time. If you're a whoever here this morning that's been saved by the grace of God, you should be willing to do whatever so other whoever's will know. Because I can promise you that God has placed whoever's all around you. You're going to see a lot of whoever's tomorrow. And so what I want us to do is I want us to close with these, these last two verses because we often stop at Romans chapter 10, verse 13, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise God. Yes, thank God. I was a whoever. That was me. And the grace of God saved me. But what I want you to do is something a little different. I want you to close your eyes. And I want to read what verses 14 and 15 say. Verse 13, for whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 16, how then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how will they believe in him who they've not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things. If you've been saved by the grace of God, God's given us a mandate. Just like he's telling the disciples. Don't worry about me not being here. Your responsibility now is to keep telling people about me. Tell them what I've done for you. And I know with that being said, there's often times that we begin to feel the weight and the responsibility as if we have the power to save people. I wanna relieve you of that right now. You don't have the power to save anybody. I know as I talked to my teenage kids as we were in Cambodia sharing the gospel, I watched Andy and I watched Brock become very discouraged because they shared the gospel and, and from what they saw, nobody responded. Nobody was saved. And I had to quickly remind them, I said, Andy, bro, listen, that's not your job. Your only responsibility is to testify about him. The Holy Spirit draws, the Holy Spirit is the one who saves. And so this morning, there's no doubt in my mind, the only thing that we have to realize today is all that God is after from us as a follower of Christ is our obedience. Will you be obedient to testify about those that God has placed around you? Because as you've probably heard me say, you've probably even seen it in letters that I've written, but when our obedience 
collides with God's power, lives are changed. When we walk in the obedience of what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do, the power of the Holy Spirit does the drawing. The power of the Holy Spirit does the saving. The only thing you're held accountable to is will you be obedient to do what he's calling you to do? And so I know this morning it's, there's a lot of weeds in what we shared this morning. We've covered a lot. We've covered the fact that the disciples were worried about Jesus leaving. They didn't know how salvation was gonna continue. He comforts them by saying, I'm sending a helper to walk with you. Then we even talked about what salvation looks like. What your salvation looked like, what your story looks like. Then we've also talked about the sin of this world. We've talked about the darkness of this world. But what we have to understand, if we were gonna put a bow around all of that to try to tie it all up, what we have to understand is that if you've been saved by the grace of God, you have a responsibility. That's to be his messenger and to tell people what he's done for you. And so this morning, I would ask you the question is, who has he placed around you? I know he'll be mad at me for sharing this, but he'll get over it. Noah is one of our residents that sits with us every week, and he shared with our staff this week how on a college campus right down the road, he sits at a table each week with people that he knows don't believe. And to watch him be broken over their sin and begin to ask God for the boldness to share with those at the table simply what Jesus has done for him. Can I tell you as pastor, I left convicted but you know, that's just the eyes of Jesus. The Bible says that he saw them and he had what on them? Compassion. He was broken over them because they were sheep without a shepherd. And so as we battle in our flesh, in this world that hates us, and look, I know it's hard, but let's pray that Jesus would give us the eyes to see them the way he does. Because don't ever forget, that used to be you. That used to be you. God, this morning, um, God, I don't even know how to close this out. Because God, I know there's people in the room today that, that don't know you. God, I know there's people in this room today that, 
that don't have a testimony. And so God, I pray that even this morning, God, in this place, that if they don't have that story to share, God, I pray that you would help them understand today they can have one. And maybe right now they're in that encounter with you. God, I pray today that they would repent and believe. God, that they would trust you today. But God, for those who have already trusted you in the room today, God, I pray that instead of having the mindset that it's our responsibility to be mad at those who hate us, God, never let us forget you've placed us here to testify about you to this lost world. So God, maybe we just simply pray today for boldness like Noah did to be light and darkness. So God, I ask this in your name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you. We're praying for you. And we'll see you next time.